It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. We come to Glasgow with global ambition to save our people and to save our planet. We need to make sure that both costs and benefit are distributed equally. There cannot be climate justice without social justice. Il President! Hello and welcome back to Take a Left, the podcast from the Socialists and Democrats. Is it too late to save the climate? What happened at the COP26? What does it mean? World leaders, NGOs and diplomats last week gathered in Glasgow, Scotland to discuss the future of our shared world. The European Parliament sent a delegation of MEPs led by Yuta Guteland and featuring Cyrus Engerath. We spoke to Mohamed Shahim, our Vice President for the Green Deal, who was at the COP, about what it's like working to find compromises to protect our environment before it's too late. Hi, Mohamed. Let's get straight to the point. Are you satisfied with the final outcome? I think we've witnessed the beginning of the end of the fossil and coal. So in that, cons- in that end, I would say that I'm very, very positive about what will come after this COP. It seems to me, from my impression of the, of the media, it seems to be, have been negatively judged. We've been talking a lot about the fact that we haven't met the goal set in 2015 in the Paris Agreement to limit global warming to well below 2, pre- preferably to 1.5 degrees Celsius compared to pre-industrial levels. Some people, some, you know, Greta's calling it blah, blah, blah. What's your what's your take? What's the main negatives? What are the main positives for you? So let, let's see what happened. So... We've had an initiative to have a methane pledge, a US-EU-led initiative, which was signed, I think, by more, or at least supported by more than 100 countries. We've had an international movement where where they actively supported the end of coal and the end of fossil fuels, at least investments in fossil fuels. We've seen the wording of 1.5 degrees being informally the new goal of the uh, climate goal within the COP and the future COPs. I think all these things, add, if we add them up, I think we have made some good steps towards the uh, basically making sure that the Paris Agreement goes from a pledge to a reality. We've also, also seen that at least the acknowledgement that climate financing needs to be stepped up, not only towards the LDCs, towards the developing countries, uh, the 100 billion that we've pledged to pr- uh, provide, I think, uh, for a couple of years now, and we're still lacking, but we have we have 85 billion there. But at the end, it's not about the 100 billion. It's about making sure if you want to be below 2 degrees and having 1.5 degrees within reach, we need to change the system. We need to also change all investments that we have today need to go for a fair share, but mostly I think, towards this new sustainable fuel, sustainable energy and changing our sectors to become less carbon intense. I mean, that's the goal at the end. That's good for the planet. That's good for the industry. And at the end, that's also good for countries and hence for people that work on the in those sectors. At the end, we had a little bit of drama and Alok Sharma shed a tear as he admitted the final text would say phasing down rather than phasing out. Largely, this was seen as, as a success for China and India. Is this as bad a news as it seems to be? Change always comes with resistance. And the last, the last people that resist are you know, always the most fanatic. And again, as I said, I think we've witnessed the beginning of the end of coal and fossil fuels. And yes, at the end, they tried to weather down 
the text and some could even see say they succeeded but i can tell you one thing maybe this battle is lost but the war isn't and i don't like to use these type of words because at the end it's not about uh, you know we have one planet and there's no it's not a war you know people are against each other there's one planet that we need to save all of us it's on our, all of our interest and we need to do it in an affordable way we need to do it in a smart way and of course if you have a lot of interests invested in coal and fossil fuels you will make sure you will do everything to make sure that those interests are saved as long as possible and that's what we've seen but the total idea and a total notion i think within the climate conference was there will be an end date we still need to have debates about it we still need to talk about who will do what to make sure that we finalize paris and we make sure that paris is reachable but we will have a very busy year upon uh, ahead of us to make sure that when we go to Egypt next year, these things are finalized. And the EU has had a leading role. I think Frans Timmermans has had a leading role also making sure that the final outcome wasn't watered down mm-hmm. even more than maybe uh, some critics would say mm-hmm. it, had, it, it was done. Uh, I'm very positive about it. And let's say what let's see what happens in one year. I know that we will have had several steps when it comes to our legislative procedure when it comes to climate change so i'm very active and sorry i'm very positive that next year we we can inspire much more countries to join us not only by saying uh, stating certain pledges but also showing how to get there on a on a national level the other sort of big headline as as far as we can see it from our from our side is that there was no strong financial commitments towards those already suffering natural natural disasters due to climate change uh, agreed something that a lot of people were saying was an absolute necessity uh, from the talks is that true and and is that and if that's the case why 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 are we not seeing that solidarity from some of the richer countries so I think this is one of the issues that we really need to solve in the upcoming months, uh, preferably before we uh, meet again in, in, in Egypt. Because at the end of the day, we've seen that there are countries that are suffering from actions others made in the past. But we also have to look forward. I mean, it's not about, you know, it's not only about adaptation at the end. It's also really about mitigation and we need to decrease carbon uh, worldwide. We also need to show solidarity with countries that are mostly affected. I mean, I talked to uh, the Minister of the Environment of uh, the Maldives. You know, by, there's, there is this projection that 80 or 85% of the island is uh, inhabitable in 2050. I mean, this is quite... Just imagine, you know, everyone... Imagine the city that you live in and 85% of that land is inhabitable. I mean, if you would envision that, that's quite a lot. And I, I don't think that's fair that this could happen to certain countries where others are at least hit in a less severe manner. So yeah. we have to show solidarity to, to, to help them prevent that. And the only thing... And if they, we cannot prevent it, to adapt to the situation, to build dikes if necessary. So th- this is a very fair point and uh, I, we haven't solved it. So you could state that this is uh, at least a, a bit lacking. But at least we started talking about loss and gem- damage within this COP. I remember previous COPs that I attended that these wordings weren't mentioned at all. And now at least we've started debating yeah. them. So next time we will not only debate them, but we will also find a solution. Okay, I hope so. And how how do you consider the apparent good news of of over 100 countries joining a pledge to cut methane emissions 
you've mentioned it, but this is quite a concrete thing to come out, right? But a few of the big countries, some of it's about 35% of human of all human sourced methane emitters didn't sign up like China and Russia and India. How do we see that? Is that one step forward? Again, I mean, this was revolutionary, to be honest. More than 100 countries signing the national uh, uh, methane pledge, where we uh, pledged to decrease methane by 30% in 2030, if I'm not mistaken. That's quite significant. We should understand that methane is the second largest CO2 greenhouse gas with a very negative effect on uh, on temperature. So if we can decrease it, and if we also can at least understand, and, and you know, the idea that we only should decrease carbon that's not the only uh, greenhouse gas we have. Methane is a very significant one uh, that also needs to be decreased. So that we've had this uh, this uh, this uh, debate is already a good start that more than 100 countries joined. That's, I mean, very promising. I mean, yeah. India, China, and and, uh, and Russia, they, at the end, they, they will have no other, uh, other option than also to join. Yeah. Whether it will be next COP or the COP after that, but at the end of the day, countries will not stand and let these countries continue polluting because, you know, you cannot push back carbon. You cannot push back methane. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever in the world you are emitting these type of uh, hurtful substances, you are affecting us as well. So then countries will come up with uh, concepts like the carbon border adjustment mechanism that yeah. we also are introducing in the EU. And maybe it should also talk about methane, not only about carbon. Yeah, I guess you're going to the COP27 in Egypt. You're going to have the same problems, less time. Is is Egypt going to have the same hype? Is it going to is each COP going to become more and more important? And what's the progressive battle going to be there? Yeah, so for me, it's not about you know approaching a, a COP as an apocalyptic event that mm -hmm. do or die moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not the way politics works. You know, between now and then, people will work very hard. We will work very hard, do our homework, mm -hmm. but we'll also talk to other countries. It's not like, you know, there's only one, there's only two weeks a year that we talk to other countries and regions yeah. and uh, politicians to see what they're up to oh, when to it comes to climate. No, no, we are we are continuously talking and we're also continuous inspiring other countries and regions as we did two years ago with the European Green Deal. Yeah. There are more green deals popping up all over the world, but now they need to make the steps that we are making basically translating a vision into policies and laws. I hope by then we are almost finalizing our Fit for 55 package so that we can show the world, listen, this is our answer and this is how we are going to make it feasible, achievable. Now you show us yours. Mm -hmm. So... Mohammed, there are many political forces who are pushing for a transition to a carbon neutral economy. Many people and organizations are acting on climate. What's unique about the S&D or the Dutch Labour Party or social d democracy's answer? Yeah, so for me, it's the fundamental thing is to make sure that we distribute both the costs and the benefits of the energy transition in a fair way. I'm not talking only between member states, but also within member states. Right. And I want to talk tell all populists out there that not acting or the costs of not doing nothing will be very high. What we want to do is we want to preserve the jobs that exist in the EU as much as possible and make them green and sustainable and fit for the future. Mm -hmm. That's my goal as a social democrat polit politician. And that I can guarantee you one thing. If we continue, if we do not reach, um, basically transition our sectors to become more sustainable and at the same time an opportunity to make them state-of-the-art, mm -hmm. the best competing sectors worldwide, if we don't do that, then I think we will get behind 
and we will risk that the jobs at the end will go away uh, because you know technology is very hard we we need to adapt we need to lead we have a beautiful program now that we are working on the fit for 55 package to make this reality yeah. we have the financial means to support sectors and citizens to make the transition so every ingredient is on the table and i'm very very uh, convinced that that it is doable but again without forgetting that we need to make sure that both costs and benefit are distributed equally this is a fundamental uh, that cannot be climate justice without social justice well thank you so much for joining us and take a left thank you very much uh, maybe uh, talk to you another time yes hopefully thank you thanks for listening to take a left the podcast from the socialists and democrats in the european parliament take care